How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. They actually let this happen. Like Aldous Snow said, we're actually going to let this happen. I thought I was invited here as a prank to guest host inside the locker room, but I showed up here. The camera actually, I think, did turn on. We are here. We're here with a incredible slate for you tonight. I'm excited. And this is a, a big honor for me because not only do I get to sit with my good friend Brian Masalam and remotely with Jason Strayhorn, but I'm also at the same desk as two of my heroes, Braylon Edwards and Ryan Armani. I never thought I'd get to share a stage with guys that, that uh, have such esteem in the community. So this is a true honor. And I, I, we got a lot to get to because, frankly, as much as I want to be uh, Sparty go, uh, go hum go all the time and say that everything is great in Spartan Nation and everything is bad with the hated rivals at the University of Michigan. I, I went a little bit out of bounds this week with Spartan Nation. I got in a little bit of trouble, and I want to bring in the two real hosts of this show who have given me the mic today in the lead spot to tell me if I'm crazy. Now, here's the setup. The NFL draft, if you're watching this live, is tomorrow. We're at almost to the minute, 24 hours away. And for the longest time, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously of Michigan fame, didn't do him much good in East Lansing, but of Michigan fame, has been the basically prohibitive favorite to go 1-1 to Jacksonville. Any thought of him going to Detroit was uh, null and void. It was a total afterthought. It hasn't even been on the radar until the last 72 hours. The odds markets have changed. This was a tweet from John Ewing we can throw up just to give you some perspective. Just about a week ago, Aiden Hutchinson, minus 175, nearing prohibitive favorite status to be first overall in the draft. And you fast forward just a few days. This week, the most updated one, Aiden Hutchinson has moved up to plus 250. Trayvon Walker is in prohibitive favorite territory at minus 225. So this has been a big shift. Now, I said the Detroit Lions are sitting there at pick Number two, Aiden Hutchinson suddenly might be available after all. Never saw it coming. It hasn't even been on our radar. I went out and said, if you're at pick number two, you take Aiden Hutchinson, and half of the Michigan State fan base has been yelling at me ever since. It's been 48 hours. I've been tossing and turning at night. It's been rough for me personally to get through, but I'm going to get there. But I want to bring in two guys that I respect, two members of Spartan Nation, to tell me if I'm crazy We'll start with you, Brian. Where do you stand on this? I say Aiden Hutchinson at number two is a, basically as close to a no-brainer as you can possibly get. Am I nuts? Like, where do you stand on this, Brian? First of all, thank you for joining us. It's great. It's of course. Me, we, Justin put the show together this week and saved Jason and I a lot of work, so we want to thank you very much for coming on board. And, uh, you know, I think the question is, do Spartans want Aiden Hutchinson to be a lion? Um, do, do I believe they do? No, I don't think they do. Uh, but I think when he, when he gets there and every Spartan that's a Lions fan will end up cheering for him. Um, he's, you know, on many boards, the best end on the board. He's the safest play out of all of them. He probably will not drop the two as the odds show. Um, but ultimately I think, uh, Spartans will embrace 
the, the Spartans fans that are Lions fans will embrace him. The Spartans fans that are not Lions fans will laugh and will say typical. Um, that's the way it's going to be taken. But I think when, when they change jerseys, uh, at the end of the day, the, the, the Lions faithful, those that are diehard, because this is their Super Bowl, the, you know, the, 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 this, this is the first phase of the Lions fan is, is the draft. We won the draft, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think eventually they'll, they'll support him. When we're in that early 2000s range and Charles Rogers is drafted in that same slot, second overall, even as a high school kid, I was always frustrated that the, there was a large segment of the Lions fan base that just hated the guy from the beginning. I hated that. So I feel like it would be hypocritical for me to reverse on that. Frankly, I think it would all come down to the production or lack thereof. We'll see. I mean, if they do take him, it will ultimately be dictated by his play on the field. But in those first couple months before the first snap of the season, the regular season, I am curious to see how that would go down if they go with Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Stray, where do you stand on this? I mean, you're a, as diehard of a Spartan as they come. You're a, a football savant in your own right. Uh, I'm sure you have your own opinions on Hutchinson. Maybe is he the best guy or not if he is hypothetically available at pick two. But just from the Spartan angle, where do you stand on this, Jason? Yeah, hustle well, right you there. Know, Justin, Justin I, yeah, I really appreciate as I know Brian does, you being on the show today. But in the no footage. way are you ever to kiss Ryan Armani or Braylon Edwards' ass for being in the studio that they work in as yes. well. Yes, because agree. true Spartans will never do that. Yes. And I know that we respect those great guys. Love those guys. But don't kiss their ass. Oh, I just not I... kissing Aiden Hutchinson's ass either. <laughs> because the fact is, he is not He's a good kid. Love him. Love his family. Love what he stands for. But he is not the second best player in the draft. Obviously not the number one. We all know it, but no one wants to admit it for whatever reason. I don't, I, I'm, I'm searching for the reason why Aiden Hutchinson somehow has become the guy who's like the number one, number two guy in the draft. We know that's not true. If Jacksonville does in fact choose someone else to be number one, which I don't know, what would you say, Justin? Trayvon Walker. Tra- Trayvon Walker is can, is nearing prohibitive favorite status. There is some buzz okay. around Icky, too, as well in that spot, but they're not taking Hutchinson. That seems pretty clear at this point. Look, look I, every- I think that for a number two pick, Gotta go with the quarterback, man. Malik Willis, man, you, you have to go with that. No one in Detroit is happy with the quarterback position as it stands right now. Everybody was pissed off with Matthew Stafford for years, right? One of those other number one picks that we had a few years ago. And he left it. Los Angeles, I think it was the Rams. And uh, he won, won a Super Bowl, okay? Those are the types of picks that you make with the top two picks in the NFL draft. Malik Willis is one of those talents. The way the NFL is going right now, you need quarterbacks. It's a quarterback-driven league. Quarterbacks that have foresight, they have vision, they have athletic ability, what Malik Willis has, which is exactly what he has, and the strong arm that can get down the field, stretch those defenses, and make them play honest against the run. As we all know, running you know, running backs have been devalued 
Malik Willis is one of the guys that is a perfect fit for today's NFL. And if the Lions have him at number two, I would beg them to take him. But are Spurns going to be happy straight? Straight. Will the Spurns be happy or not? You know, I mean, is that? No. No, because I, 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 you know, I, will they, but the Lions. Absolutely not. So the diehard Lions Spartans, the diehards, yep. you're telling me uh, who every draft season celebrate their, their Super Bowl championship are not going to celebrate the pick when they take Joey Bosa 2.0. You, t- is that what you're telling me? Jo- Joey Bosa 2.0, my ass. <laughs> okay, well, well, I mean... No, don't don't disrespect Joey Bosa like that. Okay, well, listen, I'm telling you, I've talked to several NFL scouts, I'm just being honest with you, and they say he is the safest end edge rusher on the board. Safest. You know, they don't they don't compare him no to anybody else. Quite, quite frankly, yeah, they no, say no, this no, is no, the no, weakest no. draft. They say that there's not one person in this draft that would, have, would go... Uh, I talked to four NFL scouts... And not every one of them said that there's not one person in this draft that would have gone in last year's top 15. So yeah. um, we're talking about a different draft here. And I'm, what, I, what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, if you're a Lions fan and you're a Lions slappy, which we have a lot of them in this town, and if they ever win a championship, they'll burn this town down, um, that at the end of the day, they'll convert them and they'll cheer for them. They just will. So, Jason, your issue, if I'm reading this right, is it's not a, an anti-Michigan stance. So you're a Malik Willis guy. If Malik Willis is wearing the maize and blue last year and everything was the same, all the tape was the same, the stats were the same, everything's identical, do you think you would be sitting here right now on this beautiful Wednesday night telling us Malik Willis, Michigan quarterback, is the pick at two? That's what I'm trying to drill down and to. And Spartans would be happy. Are you telling oh, us that? Well, and you and Spartan Nation generally, because it's okay for you to think, obviously, Malik Willis is the guy. I'm trying to get to the, the fact here of, does the Michigan thing matter? Because I don't think it matters. Now, if you disagree with me on Hutchinson going uh, second overall because you don't think he's the best prospect, that's fine. But this idea that a Michigan State alum, a fan, whatever, can't embrace somebody that went to the University of Michigan, uh, you know, yeah, I, in Detroit, I, agree I just with don't that. buy. I just don't I, buy. I'd rather he didn't go to Michigan. To Michigan, if I had my druthers. What I was saying to you, Justin, if, it, if Malik Willis came into Spartan Stadium and kicked Michigan State's ass. And the K nine didn't score five touchdowns. Malik Willis over six touchdowns. Yes, take it. That's what I was saying. Yeah, but fair if enough. He's the guy who's on the other end of the five touchdowns for Kenneth Walker the third. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's Sound, that's fair. Sounds like you're a little biased, Jason. It's, I like your shirt, Brian. Thank you. Thank <laughs> it'll, you. it'll be interesting to see because on your own network, it's my son's that, uh, shirt. Yeah, well, not, every, not everyone's uh, 7.2% body fat past the age of 40, man. So I, I'll get your Pilates routine yeah. later. We'll, we'll work on that. But it's Lord interesting. <laughs> so, I, yeah, yeah, but Balk O'Brien, that's what they're calling him in the hallways here. So on this network today, Scott Bischoff, who I think is uh, one of the better analysts in the football scouting area, I'm a big fan of Scott, said that he has on pretty good authority – that Kayvon Thibodeau is not uh, is basically a, a borderline lock to go second overall to the Lions. Yeah, I, and then you see somebody like Chris Sims, a national figure, come out today and say that he has it on good authority that Kayvon Thibodeau is not even going in the top ten. So the bottom line is nobody knows anything at this point. We're, we're 24 hours away, less than. We have no idea. But if they do go with Hutchinson, which I think is the right way to go, 
as a Spartan, I will embrace him. Do I prefer that he went to Central Michigan or anywhere else? Yes, but if he's good, he'll be embraced here by everyone and should be, I think. Is that fair, Brian? I think, it's fair. I think Lions fans will embrace him. I mean, I do. I think even if you're Spartans and if, listen, winning cures all ails, right? A wise man who used to own the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, just once said, just win. So if you win, Baby. everybody's happy. It doesn't matter. Let's get into where the Michigan State fans do not hate me. And, and they think that I'm a, a wonderful member and citizen of Spartan Nation. This Kenneth Walker the third thing, and it's really a running back thing as much as it is a Kenneth Walker thing. The latest projection from someone, again, that I respect, Matt Miller, ESPN draft expert, who I think is better than McShay and Kuyper personally, he had his final big mock draft, and this was his section on Kenneth Walker. Now, pros and cons here. He has Kenneth Walker going to Tampa Bay with the 60th overall pick, 6-0. This was his write-up. This might be the steal of the draft. Walker has 4-3 second speed, awesome power at the second level, and the vision to be an effective inside or outside runner, and blah, blah, blah about replacing Ronald Jones. Okay, so yes, he's got him at pick 60, which is, I think, too low, but he also says, hey, at pick 60, he's the steal of the draft, so it's kind of a a half-good, half-bad assessment there. I'm not saying take Kenneth Walker in the first round. The NFL's different. 10, 15 years ago, he'd be a top 15 pick on my board. I get the positional shift, but I think there's been an overcorrection here. To me, Kenneth Walker at pick 60, a guy who has elite speed objectively, elite cutting ability objectively, and even from the character standpoint, the hardest working, nicest guy in the league on day one that he steps into the NFL. Pick 60? If he goes the 60th or later, he's going to be better in the NFL than 90% of the guys taken ahead of him, is my prediction. He won't be the best guy in this draft, but he'll be better than all but seven or eight at his position. I understand the, the discrepancy in positional value. Brian, we're all Spartans here. I get it. I get that we're biased. I said to much controversy, Kenneth Walker is the best Michigan State football player in my lifetime. A lot of people said Charles Rogers. I respect it. I disagree. Am I crazy SpartanHomer.com here to say Kenneth Walker at 60 would be the steal of the draft? It would be insane for him to fall that far. I, don't, I can't even imagine him falling that far. I think uh, you're not insane for saying that, but there has been a devalue on the running back position in the NFL. I mean, you don't see many Derrick Henrys, right? How many, how many backs you see in the NFL touch the ball 25 to 30 times a game? So can Kenneth Walker, will he be the first back off the board? He's going to be the first or second back. Is he the best player that I have ever seen at Michigan State? Ab- absolutely. I've never, we've never had a running back that can shift, cut on a dime like that, explosive like that, break tackles. You know, I mean, we just, the vision he has, he is a special, special back. If he falls all the way to 60, I will be shocked. Uh, I, you know, people that I talk to have him earliest, late first round, probably early second round. But he would, if he falls to 60, that is the absolute steal of the draft. He is a special, special talent, you know. But, but again, it's not an indictment on Kenneth Walker. It's the way that the league is set up now, right? I mean, the premiums are the quarterbacks and the edge rushers and the corners. And, you know, running backs have been devalued. And, and even, I would argue, I mean, left tackles. Tackles are, are, have a higher value than running backs now in the NFL. Um, uh, so the game's changed a lot. And it's not because of Kenneth Walker's fault. Uh, he's obviously probably you know, one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest. So falling to 60 is crazy to me. 
That's just yeah, I agree with you, Brian, somewhat. I, I really do. It, the, the running back position has been devalued, true enough. But when you look at Buffalo sitting there in that low first-round area, they need a running back that can come out of the backfield, pound it, but also can catch it. And a lot of the NFL scouts that I've talked to have really put a high value on the Iowa State running back, Reese Hall. Reese Hall, he's a guy who catches the ball. Really, he's, he's very elusive. Yep. Coming out of the backfield when he catches the ball, he has that great spin move. Once he catches the ball, guys seem to, you know, just down their leg. They can't catch him. They can't tackle him. I don't know what it is. But Mel Tucker has been sending practice footage of Kenneth Walker III in action against the number one defense, catching the ball. Because he didn't get a chance. He didn't get an opportunity to do it a lot in, uh, in the real game play. So, so like, he is a guy, as you said, he's a, an elite talent. He's an extremely hard worker, a better person. And I think that you can't really go wrong picking him or the kid from Iowa State at that position. But, you know, we as Spartans, obviously, you know, we think with our hearts, we lead brain. We hope that he does get picked in that position. But for me, definitely a low first round, high second round. You, you know, I, I think there's two things that uh, we don't, understand as well you know scouts look for is now is kind of back catch the ball coming out of the backfield and make plays open in space because that's somewhat the running game now in the nfl it's it's just not between the tackles number one and blitz pickup blitz pickup is extremely important understanding which guy to pick up on the blitz and that as jason there's some great backs that we've known that never saw the field because they didn't know who to block on a blitz so I mean, K-9 doesn't have any of those problems. And, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with Jason. Late first round, early second, shocked if he drops a 60. Steal of the draft if he drops a 60. And it's not an outlier opinion. I mean, that Matt Miller had that take, but it's based on him talking to people in the league that he knows. A lot of people have him at, like, end of the second round, even early third round was the, the lowest I saw. I just I can't fathom that. Again, you have an elite talent at an important position not one of the most important but it's not your kicker it's not your punter like i i don't get how someone with that profile who again you're gonna get every ounce out of that guy possible there's no effort concerns there's zero character concerns uh, it's the opposite of character concerns you're thrilled to have that guy in your locker room i just think even at the lions at pick 34 who have a good running back already Steal them I would, Take him and steal him. He'd be a steal at 34. Absolutely. Can you imagine coming out of this draft with Hutchinson? Maybe you take the safety from Penn State with your 32nd pick, and then 34, uh, Kenneth Walker, you come out of the draft with a great edge, a great player in the secondary, and Kenneth Walker? And with those three, the team looks different overnight. And I, I've said it before. I know you're not a big Hutchinson guy, maybe especially you, Jason, but I have to think his cardio is going to be through the roof. Hutchinson will be in such good shape from chasing Kenneth Walker up the sideline in Lions but, practices. That true, you're, true it, he'll be in elite, peak physical condition. I think it was an equilibrium. I think he he's a, a couple times. Yeah, fair, fair. I still think he's a, he's a great player. I mean, come on. Let's just, he's a great player. And, you know, setting Brian, the rivalry Brian, aside. Brian, listen, I listen, get listen. it. We're talking about the NFL. And there was no better example of the NFL when you look at Aiden Hutchinson against Georgia, a team that has probably 14 drafts. I, I, I agree, and we played this that year. footage. But it, all yep. it takes is one team to fall in love. Just one. Uh, we're not, I'm talking about 
his production at the highest level. Yeah, I Not agree. I mean, you're right. I'm but gonna, he, listen, are, are we talking sizzle? Are we talking production in the NFL? Yeah, and that's why I. That's why the Trayvon Walker going first or going even second shocks me because he has not been productive. And I mean, you know, they're they're that they're taking a flyer on potential there, and I, that's just, you know, that's something that I didn't see coming. But uh, what do we know? I mean, you know, we just we'll see what happens. But we got a couple other Spartans, yeah, in the draft, and, and another two guys. Now they're not uh, a Kenneth Walker grade, but I there was a a note on ESPN uh, the other day that had Connor Hayward potentially going undrafted. If Connor Hayward goes undrafted. Every NFL executive working today should be fired. I'm not saying Connor Hayward is a second-round pick, a third-round pick, but if you go seven rounds and no one finds use for a guy with arguably as good a hands as any receiver in this draft, an A-plus-plus blocker, an A-plus-plus character guy, I I would have so much fun as an offensive coordinator scheming for this guy. I will get to Jalen Naylor in a second. I want to start with Connor Hayward, though. Here's my question. Yeah. How many of us right now at this moment watching this thought we would be watching this video when he entered that portal to transfer? I mean, what he has done has been, I mean, it's a great, great story. It's a great young man with a great attitude. Um, you know, uh, he's got, he is uh, multidimensional. I mean, he can, he can do a lot of things. He can play that, that H-back. He can play that, that, uh, that tight end. He can, you know, even sometimes do a split end. I mean, there's a lot of things that he can do. Um, I see him being, a, you know, like most guys say that he could, he's a, he's a third-day guy. And I think he will make a roster, and I think he will make a 53-man roster. And I think he'll play in the league a long time. He has, you know, don't, don't discount the legacy either. I mean, these, these, these scouts Never. look at Never. These yes. scouts, ask, ask Drayhorn's kids. These scouts and everybody, they look, they just do. The legacy matters. It does. I mean, the bloodlines matter. And he comes from a long line of NFL players. He's very talented. And he's, you know, he's probably a third-day guy. And it's just a great, great story of perseverance and, and battling. And it's just great to see highlights like that. He's such a fine young man. Yeah, when you're in that yeah, day. third-day guy, I think he's a six-plus-year Guy I agree. I agree. Done. I mean, obviously, you talk about his father, Craig Ironhead Hayward, who was a, a dominant force in the backfield in the NFL, and his brother. Just, just an all-pro, perennial all-pro. Absolutely. Down in Pittsburgh. So, yes, he has the bloodlines, and he understands what it takes to win. And we've seen him at practice, Brian. We've seen him at practice, and we've seen the interaction between him and Mel Tucker. And the tweaks and Mel tells him what he needs to do to continue. It's not about we need to do this in order to beat Penn State. He constantly is mentoring the young man on what to do to be a better human being and to provide for his family in the future. Because he understands what the evaluation, what the critics are going to say. It was one of the first guys when I met with Mel Tucker in the summer when I asked about the team. And we were watching film in his office. And he got on, he said, I like this guy. I know he's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not the fastest guy. But this guy is a football player. So if a guy like Mel Tucker saying that, that means something. You know, before the season, Mel Tucker also told me that uh, Kenneth Walker's a first-round back. And I said, really? He's like, he's that good. 
and he proved to be. I mean, he really is the best back in the country, in my opinion. Uh, if he's not in the first round, it's because of not him. It's the way they devalue back. But, you know, Mel, that's a very good point because Mel is teaching these young men things that will help them translate to the next level. And, you know, I mean, Connor Haywood flat out is a football player. I mean, that's, he's just a football player. And he will make a roster, I do believe. And I think, I think Jason's right. I mean, you're talking six to six year plus career, and we wish him nothing but the best. If you're getting into the fourth, fifth, sixth round, there's no elite prospect at that level. There's holes in every player's game. There's holes with guys in the top ten of the first round. But especially when you get to that day three territory, you don't get a lot of day three prospects that have two elite skills. Hayward's got them. Hands. Uh, blocking ability and that's not even getting into the fact that again he's an a-plus character guy so again it's absurd to think that a guy that late in the draft could could be out there and would be passed on with two elite skills and he's the the best locker room guy possible so i I think he'll be an interesting interesting one to follow the one that might have a little bit more trouble in in my opinion going in is jalen naylor partly as a function of the class, the nature of this class in particular. Yeah, very strong receiver class. It is a loaded wide yeah. receiver class. I thought the decision that he made to leave early was somewhat curious. I know he's had some injuries throughout his career. I get it. I don't begrudge anybody for moving on and trying to get paid. I, we'll see. I mean, obviously the jury's still out on this one, but where do you stand? We'll start with you, Brian, on Naylor. Where do you see him going? Do you think he's a viable NFL prospect? Where do you stand on Naylor? Yeah, I do. I think, like you said, the disadvantages are this is a very deep receiver class. Um, and, you know, NFL teams look at uh, your, your injury past and, and have you played a full season because production is everything. So I think those are the two things that, you know, that will create some pause. But I see him going, I mean, another th- th- third day guy. He could possibly sneak in the second day. You know, I see him going. In the third day. I mean, that's, that's where I see him going. And, and this is a deep, deep class. And I think another year could have did him well. But uh, he's, he's a great player. He's got great speed. What did he run, Stray? He ran a 4-4 something. Didn't he? 4-4-7, I believe. Something of that nature. Uh, I think actually, it was a 4-5. Yeah, a four, he five. was, was kind of slightly, slightly disappointing yeah. uh, given the speedy nickname for him. But. So that, that will hurt him. But he'll, yeah. I mean, he'll get a chance. And he'll, he'll get a chance. And I think he'll make a team, too. I really do. Where do you stand on this trip? Yeah, from the assessments that I've seen, you know, the scouts have him rated as you know, in this deep wide receiver draft, 37th overall in wide receivers. And this is a deep wide receiver class. To me, he would have really done himself some good coming back for one more year at Michigan State. There are worse things than being Jalen Naylor as a senior in Michigan State. Many worse things than that to me. But he decided to go on and provide for his family, which you understand, which for for me, this is the thing that like like this is a typical hey, you know, if, if you know, we had a guy uh two thousand what was that, eight, Brian, uh wide receiver, kick returner, went to the Washington Redskins in the second round. Uh first round. Very, very good player. Uh, but Devin this, Thomas. You know, Devin Thomas. Devin Thomas. He was a first Devin rounder. Thomas. He was a first yeah. rounder. No, he, he I think he was. Second. I think he was. I think he was a second rounder. Was he? he was like okay. in the forties or something. Going yeah. Second round. Yeah. Uh, you know, could have been a very dynamic player, but we. It was hard to, you know, bring him back because you know players at that time could not be paid. And this NIL era, to me, it doesn't make sense for players to make those decisions. 
but I know that we're new in the NIL era and, and a lot of unknowns are happening. So guys aren't as comfortable. But for Jalen Naylor, for him to come back for one more year, I think that he could have really honed in his craft and allowed a lot of these flat-out burners to go on in the draft. And, and, and also, when you look at the free agent market with wide receivers in the NFL, making $20, 25000000 million per year, there is a premium now on college draft picks. Because they're cheaper. Players. Yeah, they want the late-round and well, the analytics tell you half of the the pro bowlers are third round and higher. I mean, some will argue, don't you dare waste a first round pick on a wide receiver. People love the flash and the dash, but I mean, you know, there's there's a ton of receivers out there, and it's one of those positions that is not considered premium uh, on many boards. Uh, but uh, I think another year would have did him well, and I think he's a perfect example. I think. I think NIL in this situation, when it continues to grow, and as MSU, which has nothing to do with, you know, once there's some type of NIL created where there's, and there, you know, MSU's done a good job of creating platforms for them, but once this really begins to pick up steam, I think you'll see more and more guys stick around because of that to help them out and not feel the need, the pressure to rush out into the draft to provide for their family. So I think those are, that's one of the positives of NIL. Once this whole market shakes out and they, you know, some of these guys they want to throw millions of dollars at, you know, they bust. That just, that's a whole nother topic because NFL is throwing, spending millions of dollars uh, investing in, in um, researching top five picks and are getting them wrong. How they're you know, paying an 18-year-old kid a million dollars is just beyond me. But it'll take a few of those before that market corrects itself. But I think NIL is going to help keep some of these young men in school longer because the pressure comes off. It's really, uh, in Naylor's case in particular, if you end up, let's say, going in the late sixth round, there's guys that get cut before game one of the regular season that go in the sixth and seventh round, especially the seventh round. But we've seen sixth rounders get cut every, any given year. Four or five, six guys don't even make the team at the end. If you don't even get that first contract as a sixth rounder, which, by the way, is, is a relative pittance, I could argue you're making the worst developmental decision for your game just as a player and a worst financial decision by leaving. I might be able to make more through NIL, depending on the circumstance and the player, than I can on my non-guaranteed end-of-the-sixth-round NFL uh, player contract when I'm not even a lock to make the team out of camp. I just I think you kind of lose from both sides if you misjudge this, and we're going to get to the basketball side of this a little bit later in the show. But for Naylor, I think it's a bummer. I think it would have been fun to see Thorne throwing to Jaden Reed and, and, and Jalen Naylor another year. I think that would have been fireworks in East Lansing. But even for the kid... I just I think it's a bummer. I, I think Naylor, you could argue, could have made close to the same amount of money in NIL, depending on where he lands. That said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he goes in the third round and passes Cooper Cup for being the best receiver in football. We're all rooting for that. I just I, I do have some questions there. All right, we are, um, but let me. Yeah, that's uh, a great point, Jeff. Hey, that was a phenomenal point. Guys could make more money in NIL than they would going early to the NFL and struggling to make a practice team. That, that's a fact. This is the era that we've come to now. Guys, I mean, you hear these these million-dollar contracts being thrown out at kids that are in high school to go to some of these schools now. You know, for for guys who have proven themselves and teams don't want them to go to another school or to to go to the NFL draft, there's going to be opportunities for them to make a decent living and, and, and probably better than they would being on an NFL practice team. That's a phenomenal 
point, a phenomenal take there, Dustin. And I think players, young guys need to listen to that because that is the fact, that's the era that we're in right now. Before you make those decisions, hone your craft. Make sure that you are really ready to go to the next level. And and, and things will play out the way that they should for you. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Let me jump in real quick. Just a little shout out here. The show today uh, is brought to you by our partners at um, My uh, Concierge. So if you get a chance, please visit MyConcierge.com. So if you're a host of a a Verbal or a, a, what's the other, jeez, the other vacation rental. So if you're a host of a Verbal or a... Timeshare? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? No, what's the Airbnb? other one? Airbnb. How did oh, I slip I that? Jeez. Come on, babe. So I know if you're a host and you wanna and you wanna differentiate yourself, all right, go to myconcierge.com where you could specifically um uh put in there uh different uh cleaning services, laundry services, daycare services, chefs, bartending. Myconcierge.com. My concierge will provide that for you. So as a host, you can differentiate yourself um, and become a super host, having these additional services that you offer through concierge. So if you get a chance, please visit myconcierge.com. Sammy Salem, that was for you. And those of you at the MSU MBA program, we love you. We're proud of you. Go green. Go white. Spartans do great things. Spartans will, as we all know. And Spartans will move on to the next round here, just putting a button on Naylor. If you're a fourth-round grade, fifth-round grade, the calculus changes. If you're a sixth- or seventh-round grade, that NIL thing looks a lot better. To me, that's the cutoff. That four, If I got a fourth- or fifth-round grade, I'm probably going if I have financial considerations. If I'm a sixth- or seventh, like Naylor happens to be, even though a lot of people are saying potentially undrafted, now I can make more – uh, you know, selling melting moments on my Twitter feed through Michigan State than I could on the practice squad for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they may cut me at any moment. Everything's non-guaranteed, and suddenly, what am I doing? I'm coaching youth football. I mean, it's like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just to maximize your dollar counterintuitively, going to the league might be the worst thing you could possibly do, which brings me to my next point, guys, because the Naylor thing is what it is, and we've, uh, we've discussed it. The basketball program. I have been seldom shocked in my life as a sports fan, in particular a Michigan State basketball fan. I was shocked in the past week to discover that Max Christie, the rising sophomore, maybe, guard at Michigan State, is a heavy lean to depart for the NBA. Now, we knew he made the announcement. He's exploring it. He's not hiring an agent, so he's keeping the door open. That's 90% 90% of these kids that even have a sliver of a chance. There were no bells going off. I thought, okay, he'll go through the process, get feedback. They're going to tell him, dude, you didn't hit a shot for three months at the end. Uh, maybe go on back and we'll see you next year. That's where I thought this was. Now, I had David Klein, who, for my money, is the best basketball mind in the Spartan media space, good friend of mine. I had David Klein on my show. Alex, I think we pulled that clip, right? This is just a quick clip from him talking to me. DK. DK, wonderful guy, brilliant guy, on his uh, take on where Max Christie's situation stands now and which way he's leaning. So let's run that. 80-20, stays in the draft. Yeah. I, I think he's basically gone at this point. My Why? understanding of the situation. He's done what? His parents in the camp around him, uh, I guess, didn't appreciate the way that the season went. I don't know if that's ever – it's at least, to my knowledge, never been verbalized by Max himself. 
Um, but this is a situation where played most minutes per game on the team, took the, the most shots in conference play, second most on the team behind Gabe Brown, unlimited leash, unlimited shot selection, and he had a bad season. Say what it is. It, objectively, by all measurements of what we expected from him and the way that his stats came out, he had a bad season. It's okay. Go work your ass off in the offseason. Come back and put yourself firmly as like a high team pick or an early 20s at the very least in, in the next year's draft. Look at the guys like Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Jonathan Davis, all had somewhat underwhelming, some flashes here and there freshman year, came back, and now all three of them are going to be lottery picks. So he's got it at 80-20. For the record, you can take David Klein to the bank. The guy's never wrong. Now, he's not reporting Christie's definitely gone. It's 80-20. But the lean is credible with David Klein reporting it. I was shocked. Stray, I want to start with you here. What was your reaction when this sort of news leaked out that Christie was a NBA lean? Because I was surprised. Am I naive? Like, where do you stand on this? Uh, I'm, I'm shocked as well. I, I am a guy who believes that he would be well served coming back for one year. I think he's a, a great talent. He's another guy who has the pedigree. His mother is the Northwestern all-time leading scorer, I believe. Uh, so he so he, he understands the game. He, you saw flashes of his talent, his ability. But in no way is he a guy, in my opinion, that can go and be a difference maker in the NBA next year. I think that he's a guy who can be a role player a year from now and then continue to develop and be a difference maker down the road. So for a guy to come out right now, you need to be a guy who's thinking he's going to be a difference maker, or for sure a difference maker. And the NFL and the NBA will evaluate him as pretty pretty close to where he should be. I don't think that he has the, 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 the toughness. He needs to put on a little bit more weight. He's got a pretty decent shot. He can work on that a little bit more. He's got a decent IQ. He's very athletic, but he can get better. One more year will serve him well. Uh, and I think that, you know, him going to the draft at this point is, is a mistake. Um, and he should come back to Michigan State for one more year to develop and be a, a top 15, as you said, late teens type of pick for the NBA draft next year. Yeah, I don't see him as a guy, oh, he needs – you know, three or four years of college basketball. I think he is one year off. He looked raw. He looked small. He looked like he wore down as the season carried on, which is, you know, it's, it's a Big Ten season. He had more minutes on the team than anybody. He was usually guarding the other team's best player. I'm not going to kill him for having uh, an up-and-down season and, and burning out at the end. I think most kids do at that age and in that situation. But it doesn't change the fact that you got to come back, man. Like, this is this is insane uh, Brian, are you a stray and I, or I, I mean, are we crazy? Because I, I, I'm flabbergasted that this is even a thing. I, I, I was shocked by it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm surprised. I think um, another year would do him well, but I think he's gone. You I mean, think he's gone? Yeah, I do. And this mm-hmm. is uh, your, your Brian Masalam inside stuff too. With no, the... no, no, no. Nobody said anything about inside. I'm just asking. This is just a prediction. Prediction. Okay. Yeah, prediction. I think he's gone. Uh, a lot of what DK said, I, I agree with. Some of it, I don't. Uh, but. Uh, DK is usually pretty on. He knows his stuff, and he's got his ear to the ground. But uh, I've been saying for weeks he's gone. You know, that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a, I, I disagree. You didn't tell me. It. You didn't tell me because when I, was I say shocked. prediction, it's a prediction. When I say I can confirm, then I have authority to speak. 
Yeah. I mean, you're right. The DK does have his ear to the ground, and that's a, that's a big climb for him down on the floor because the guy's like seven feet tall. But uh, he, can, he can get his ear to the ground, especially up there in the basketball building. And he's basically batting a 1,000 with everything he's ever said. So whether that means Christie's definitely gone, again, you have the 20% even by DK himself. But the lean is as credible of a report as you can possibly get. I think this is like I was trying to think about this. I getting a portal. Are we gonna get Israel to get in the portal? Did we convince him last week, Stray? Uh, you guys were doing God's uh, work there. What do you think? We're still working on. We got a kid no, visiting like up there. He's not a one trip pony. We got a kid visiting up there right now, me. don't we? They're reporting somebody up there right now. Uh, visiting East Lansing as we speak. Oh, I mean, that, that Baylor kid already dropped off the list for us. I don't know if that's who you were talking about. No, I was but. reading on Twitter reports that Micah Parrish, uh, Parrish has, uh, is there right now. He put on his Instagram, I believe, that he's visiting uh, East Lansing right now. Oh, I mean, the top target was Bridges, and that didn't happen. Baylor? A lot of bags. <laughs> that's yeah. what's going losing, on at Baylor. We're losing, we're losing basketball players. We're losing top-end receivers. They're called bags, Jason. That's the rumor. Yep. I'm not yeah. gonna, I guess. Just bags. Yeah, yeah bags. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting next to one of the biggest bags right now. This is the, the ultimate money player. Exactly. I mean, the, guy, the guy named the company Spartan Wealth. <laughs> you can't get more money bags than that. That's guy's, all bags right there. Guy's got a palatial office in downtown Birmingham. Have you guys seen the rent in this place? Are uh, you kidding Chad me? Johnson, close to Brian man. Chad Johnson's like the uh, second highest bidder for that Twitter bid, I, I heard. I heard he was in at $42 billion. He, <laughs> Elon uh, nipped why is just everybody over? Why is everybody going crazy about that? That's your they party, think he's man. Gonna censor, that's, uh, that's your party. I, I, honestly, I don't have a party. That's your party. Is, are the Dems going, going crazy? Or is it just the... Uh, no, it's the Democrats going crazy. Are they because of uh, the... They can't censor... Uh, oh, you, Democrat. It's Democrat. It is. It's a political... No, I, didn't, I, I mean, I see people... Uh, it is. I'm just I, saying. I saw a lot of people that are Democrats that did uh, deactivate their account and stuff, so I'm... It's I'm, a fact. It's not like... Because a, oh, they feel it, that Trump's coming back now, right? Trump said he's, he's not coming back, back, so I don't, you know... Yeah, Trump will be back. I, yeah. I think Trump will join Twitter back. We need... He, Trump's fun on Twitter. Bring him back. Bring him back. <laughs> I'm with Elon. Speak as it is. But Elon had a pretty good tweet, right? Within within the letter of the law, there will be no censorship. I mean, I can agree to that. But, you know, when whenever you leave that caveat, you leave room to come up for an argument that you can censor somebody, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it's what's free speech. You can't walk into a theater and yell fire. But that... I mean, that's a whole other discussion. I yeah, mean, uh, I, I'll do the ACLU hour uh, a, a different night, you know, for our poor fans here. But, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Chad Johnson should have won the bid, and then you guys could have made any changes to Twitter that you wanted and put Woodward Elon Sports might ban it. us by the time this stuff's over. Yeah, that's very possible. <laughs> get ourselves into some trouble here. Yeah. So I was trying trouble to think of we'll <laughs> so get, get it back to Christy, and then we'll put a button on that one. I, maybe I forgot somebody here, but Deontay Davis sticks out to me as one of those ones where, like, dude, what the hell are you doing leaving? you got to go back another, like, 15 years from there to get to Marcus Taylor. To me, Christie will go down in that pantheon of what the hell was he thinking, guys, if he leaves. To me, you could make a very sound argument that, again, we don't know where he'll be drafted. He might end up proving us all wrong like Jordan Poole did, the Michigan fan base, but he has the potential to be – the worst decision early departure in the history of Michigan State basketball, which is uh, quite a distinction, I gotta say. I just I hope 
we're all wrong? I mean, I don't know anything. I'm just we, going we by what never, you guys You saying. never know what that draft board looks like. If he leaves early, you, na- you never know. I just so. don't think he's ready. Part of it's getting to that second contract, even if he it's, went it's 15th. All, it's all about getting to that second contract. I mean, he's got to go in there and see what his grade is and what they're telling him, and then he's got to make a decision what's best for him and his family. You know, would another year serve him uh, well? Sure. Um, but there's, there's a, probably a bunch of other factors that we're not aware of. But, you know, we wish him all the best either way. He'll always be a Spartan dog. And uh, we'd love for you to come back, Max. Yeah, Love you. Please do, especially at that, that first please half he on. had. Uh, the first half he had in the Michigan game, the first Michigan game, where that game was uh, very much still in question. He carried us through that first 15 minutes of that game. So yeah. on that alone. Yeah, he got, he got tired a little bit towards the end of the of the year. He played a lot of minutes, and uh, you know, testing is wise. Uh, leaving, you know, you can you can argue all day long. It's probably not, but you know, some some when they think it's time to go, it's time to go. So t- you know, time will tell. I want to transition to Michigan State football, which the Christie stuff has me down. It has me deeply depressed, and uh, I don't. Are want we to... taking Micah Parrish? I don't. I don't he, know. You he, tell me. He's in the portal. We, we got, they have, I'm seeing they predictions on here of Michigan State. That's what I'm seeing over here. Good. Well, I, you probably need two guys now with the Christie thing. You got to go. You got to get one of the big guys. Another, I mean, another Parrish, prediction is a, is a wing, but you know he's coming. Another prediction is I believe he'll be a Spartan. You believe Parrish will be? Yeah. Okay. I believe, I believe we'll take him. him. I mean, you missed out on Bridges from West Virginia, which would have been a big one to get. I think he was at one point favored to come here in, in a lot of circles. And they actually had a visit here, and they thought if they could get him here, they had a shot. But let's go back to that bag. Stray, where are you? Got to go I'm back right to that. here. He ended up, he picked Baylor. Let me tell you something, man. <laughs> Going back to Max Christie, I, I, I'm still stuck on this, like a, like a freshman leaving. Jabari, if you ain't Jabari Smith, is that his name? Jabari Smith from Auburn? That's yep. a difference maker, 6'10". That's a baller right there. Fayetteville, Georgia, Sandy Creek. That's a baller. Anyway, so so moving on. Yeah, I mean. Talk about another bag, Brian. Anyway, you know what? You guys, you guys should just you guys should appeal to yourselves. Mel Tucker signed one of the most wealthy contracts in the history of sports to the point where people were apoplectic at the dollar amount. We all loved it, and in his letter, thanked what two billion. Apoplectic? What does that mean? Because we're all Spartans. It, it we're defined all... apoplectic. Uh, the hair on hair on fire. Uh, hair on fire. I can't even uh, distraught. say it. Uh, I, I can't uh, say it. Just, just beside themselves. Apoplectic. Yeah. This is the Michigan State J School at work here, guys. I don't know if Apo- you, if you guys realize that the Com Arts building, some of the dignitaries that passed wow. through there. I mean, Ryan Field graduated from this oh, program. Yeah. What does that tell you about the quality? He's always got white shoes on on Twitter. Why? Field? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, he was Ryan doing, Field he was is doing a Mel point the other day. Come on. He, he can't do the Mel point. Ryan, Ryan Field That's has trademarked. Been, Ryan Field has been 24 years old for like 27 years. He looks I, really young. I don't know how he does it. But that's trademarked. He can't do that. That's uh, not allowed. Uh, He's going to get an infringement. i for you. So you guys were in the letter when Mel Tucker announced and, and thanked everybody for this uh, deal and the support. It was Ishbia, St. Andre, Basalm and Strayhorn. So you guys were in there with the two billionaires. So this talk about money bags, I, I think you guys, it's, it's on you because you guys have the, I don't have Ishbia's number in my phone. You guys Neither are, do I. You, 
Oh, well, I'm sure I thought you said I don't have zeros in my bank account. Oh, I, I didn't say you were a billionaire, but uh, <laughs> you, you have two more billionaires in your contact list than I do, pal. So, uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of that. Security. I mean, that's all we yeah. are. That's it. And, and Mel, did it. Mel built his own relationships with those guys, very close to those guys who have no ego. They're not transactional. That that took care of itself. Trust oh, me. great spark. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk let's talk to Mel. This will be our last big one, and I know you have a, a few things right at the end there. But I, this is a happier topic for me. Now, when Mel Tucker's hired, the big topic, Brian, we talked about it on my show. He openly talked about competing for national titles. He talked about why he recruits a certain size player. He wants bigger guys because, oh, you'd see a team like Washington get to the college football playoff. Oh, they had a cute year. Oh, they won the Pac-12. And then they get against Alabama or Clemson, those types of teams, and they're just overwhelmed. And that's why he doesn't want guys that, frankly, Mark D'Antonio would have gone after, sort of the scrappy underdog, undersized guy. When D'Antonio got here, he openly embraced Rose Bowl winning the Big Ten. Now, at the time, people laughed at him for that because you got to remember the context of 2007. I wasn't laughing. Maybe you guys weren't, but a lot of people were. He got him there, but even D'Antonio, who got them to the playoff, who won the Big Ten three times, who got to the Rose Bowl and won it, who had a top three finish team, even he never really talked about we're trying to win national titles here. If he did, I don't remember him ever saying it. Tucker has not talked about winning the Big Ten it's talking about national titles, and a lot of people, just like they did with D'Antonio in 2007, eyes rolling, yeah, yeah, Michigan State, well, whatever. He's showing tangible results, not just on the field, but in one of the most important areas that impacts the field, I would argue the most important, recruiting. I want to put this in context and show you the trajectory of this program. So, Alex, if we can throw that graphic up just to paint the picture here. This is the recruiting class rankings from 2020 to 23, and this is uh, 24-7 Sports is the source here. 2020, 44th ranked class in the country. 2021, 46th. 2022, 23rd. 2023, 16th. And that 16th comes with a caveat that there's a lot of guys that they're in on that could elevate this into the top 10, and they are favored to secure some of these guys. So that 16 is almost a lock to not get any worse as the classes evolve and is a very good bet to move up. This is uncharted territory for Michigan State. They're not in this top 10 recruiting class, top 15 class range ever. I mean, this is, this is not where they are. Not only does this look like it's going to be a, a one-year wonderful thing, it looks like this is the new norm in East Lansing with Mel Tucker there. So let's revisit this, Brian. You said that these people that thought Michigan State could win a national title were not crazy, that Mel Tucker is capable of doing it. Now we've seen proof of concept in the 11-win season in his first full year and on the recruiting trail. Give me your sort of updated stance here. What, what do you make of this ascending recruiting footprint, and what do you think it means? Are they in that... Uh, sort of on the trail, not there yet, on the trail of national title contention? Well, I think there's the energy around the program. We've never seen anything like it. I mean, every one of us can agree. And uh, that, that number will, that 16 will drop. That will be a higher-ranked class. You know, I make predictions all the time. I predicted Mel will win a national championship at Michigan State University, no doubt in my mind. Um, and I can no confirm um, you know, Justin and Corey, Justin uh, Thin and Corey Robinson came on the show last week and said there were there were three silent commits. I can confirm there are three silent commits. Um, it's just it's just miscommunicated on the timetable. So clearly, he's put uh, a premium on recruiting, 
and it's recruit, recruit, recruit. And you see him. He's he's embraced the portal. He's embraced NIL. He's embraced um, social media. You see the way that um, he's built a brand. He's built a swag. He's brought. He's involved MSU from all angles. MSU Twitter, former players, uh, everything that he's done. Brenda Tracy. I mean, everything that he's done around this program. He just gets it. He gets everything. He gets it all. He gets what it takes to build a program. He's been under. He's learned under the best. You know, being under Nick, at a, uh, uh, being under Jim Tress at Ohio State. Uh, he's been in Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, 10 years in the NFL. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind. His Brandon Jordan hire was absolutely brilliant, right? You got 195 NFL uh, players that are training in East Lansing as a defensive end, which is why you get an Andrew DePape who wants to come be taught by Brandon Jordan. He, he's treating this like the NFL. He's getting these kids ready not only to get an education, but to play at the next level. He knows what he wants to recruit. There will be no exceptions, he says. This is what we're looking for. This is all that we're taking. There's immense pressure on everybody to deliver on what he's looking for. Um, he, you know, he's done things where he's changed the title of Saeed Khalif to general manager which is brilliant, director of player personnel. So everything he's doing is pointing towards the NFL and getting to the league, as well as getting an education and becoming a better person. And he's got the whole fan base bought in. I mean, they've named the stadium. They've named the student section. So he's got the whole thing. I have never seen excitement around this program 12 months the way I have, that I have now. And, and uh, Stray, did we anticipate this? You know, I would say there were some dark days when we didn't know what was going to happen. And you had your famous waffling flake quote, which we all love you for. But once they did sign Mel Tucker, we knew, you know, knowing Mel Tucker as a graduate assistant, knowing his pedigree, watching him from afar when he was in the NFL as an interim head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, defensive coordinator, and then seeing what he did at Georgia, to me, when you look at Mel Tucker, you cannot forget those guys that just won a national title. I'd say 70% of those guys he recruited to Georgia. Now he's full force in East Lansing recruiting his way. He's not recruiting with a head coach above him or anyone else. This is Mel recruiting. He's out front. He's the one. And as a parent, we talked about this on other shows, you know, I'm seeing on the inside how other parents are reacting to Mel Tucker. Mm. Five-star parents. And I'm telling you, he is a force to be reckoned with. This is not a, uh, this isn't me saying it because we like Mel and we like Michigan State. I'm telling you. These parents don't really care about my pedigree. They don't care about that. They're telling me straight up how they feel as, as they're being recruited by teams all over the United States. Alabama, Georgia included. Mel Tucker has an edge, an edge that they cannot catch up to. The only thing that Michigan State needs to do is be on par with facilities, be on par with NIL, and let Mel do his work. I'm going to give you, I'll give you an objective 
Mel Tucker opinion from somebody who has commissioned two paintings of the man that are hanging in his basement right now. So if you want the objective Mel Tucker take, I'm here to give it to you. The argument for Mel Tucker having a legitimate chance to, and not long shot chance, like a legitimate chance to win a national title at Michigan State is to just look at what Mark D'Antonio did, particularly in 2013, although they made the playoff in 15. The 2013 team, I have long argued, was the best team in the country that year. You want Florida State? You can have them. I don't think it's an insane take. I think that would have been a hell of a game. But they went 13-1, and got objectively screwed in South Bend with five pass interference slash defensive holding calls, where even Mike Pereira, the NFL referee expert, was chiming in from the top rope saying, what the hell is going on in Indiana today? This is the officiating crew is shitting their pants on the, on, on the field. If they can get that close with D'Antonio's 30th, 35th ranked recruiting classes where they're 13 and one where they're finishing in that stretch with a top six team three out of four years why can't a guy recruiting in the top 10 and low teens with embracing of social media embracing of this new generation why can't he be one win better than his predecessor that's the argument it's a myth that michigan state has been so far off they made the playoff they were 13 and 1 in 2013 even the 2014 team everybody loved that baylor team with petty they beat them so if we got to the doorstep once doing half of this in terms of recruiting half of this work in terms of resources expended why can't we go that extra step and i i think we will i'm I'm officially on board i was a skeptic brian with you on my own show a while ago almost two years ago now i'm in i mean i'm in fully with that one hell yeah this is we we have no doubt in our mind absolutely absolutely no doubt in our mind so um we're we're, i agree we're uh Ready to go? Ready to hoist a natty? We love our football coach, and we know who our football coach is. Sorry, LSU, you have that fraud Brian Kelly who's doing a break dance <laughs> in the locker room. That's uh, that was very authentic, just like the accent. Yeah. We you don't know. Call that a dance? Well, it, it. I mean, I don't know how many white people you're friends with, Jason, but that's that. <laughs> Brian Kelly. I wish. I wish I could and dance like Brian Kelly. Uh, well, you, you're talking to the one guy that Brian Kelly is is like uh, Fred Astaire compared to me, uh, you know. So, but what, so we're confident in the identity of our football coach. We know who it is. You know, he's he's locked up thanks to you know you the two billionaires and you two. The hockey coach, though, what the hell is going on with it? It's it's total silence, right? I, I can't even find anything on the Michigan State hockey coaching search. Brian, you know everything in East Lansing. Uh, what's going on there? I mean, do you have any insight into this? Uh, no, not really. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. Uh, uh, I've talked to several former players, and they are 100% behind uh, Adam Nightingale. And that's really all that I know. I don't know anything that's going on. I don't know who they interviewed. Um, just talking to several players, that's who they'd like to see get the job uh, ahead of the uh, USA developmental program. But, you know, I don't know who the consultant is. I don't know who the committee is. I don't know where we are in the process. So we're going to let it play out. But oh. I, I do want to give I mean, a shout-out. We would like to see Mike Hastings get a shot. You know, Mike Hastings, a guy like Eric Oh, yeah, he's, he's, in the, the I mean, he's in the mix. Yeah, Pat. What's his name? First, 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 first Schweiler. There's another guy. That there you go. Take a look at All right. Who, who else, Jason? Name, name the whole list. Yeah, name them. Name who else, Jason. Whoever it is, you got to spend, so, those though. Those are my top four. 
Those are your top four? This, this program has to spend, the department, I should say, has to spend some money on the program. I think it's been a neglected product for a while. They're, they're pouring a ton of money in the basketball and football. It's not a cheapskate athletic department, even despite some of the cuts that COVID mandated. But I just, I, I'm, I'm biased, though. I'm a big hockey fan. I love college hockey. I want to see Michigan State off the mat here. We've resuscitated the football program, which had a much smaller and less uh, – you know, salting dip, perhaps, but the hockey team has just been off the radar for like 15 years. Enough's enough. But I think we got. I, I think we got right? a lot. Of, we got a lot of confidence in Alan Haller and his committee to do what's right. And I'm sure he's got input input from several stakeholders. So, um, you know, I'm. I'm I think we're, we we hired an AD to do his job, and we got to let him do his job. That's, so yeah, he that's knows what, what he's doing. That's what we're gonna do. The, the, the head coach of the U.S. national team. You know, yes. So I, maybe that's a guy, which is what. You know, previous coach was as well. Yeah, which which could hurt him. Which could which could possibly hurt him as well. Yeah. So well, hopefully, uh, hopefully by the next time you guys invite me back to run this show in the year 2027, Michigan State will have a new basket, a new hockey coach in place because I don't know. There's no action on that front at all. 2027, Izzo will still be here, so don't worry about it. Uh, We talk about that next time. 2037, maybe not. Three. Odell's wondering why it's not four or five back home. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, Odell's at three. What do you mean only three? That's that's five years from now. So, honestly, it was an honor to to be here. uh, Listen, pleasure to have you. We're going to give a quick shout-out, though, to the women's golf team real quick for finishing second, I believe, in a Big Ten tournament. Fantastic. Fantastic. Congratulations to the women's. Heck of a job. Very, very, very proud of you. Keep up the great work. I know... uh, you know, the program has been on the rise for quite some years. So congrats, kudos to you, and kudos to Jake Boss, our baseball coach, for winning four, his 400th career win. Congratulations, Coach. Very happy for you. Great to see. And uh, that'll, that'll do it for tonight. Why don't you close it out? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me in your big chair here, and hopefully I didn't say anything too offensive uh, to, to well, never be invited back because – I'm a controversial figure around these parts, let's face it. You know, that, that Michigan show in the middays isn't uh, my biggest fan. That's the rumor. Fine so so I appreciate you guys. Honestly, with two legends, uh, you know, Brian, I consider a I friend. Wish. Jason, you're a friend in waiting. Jason's got, a legend. Look at him. Yeah, so some of the, the best calls in, in Spartan broadcasting history with the man on the other end of that Zoom, sure. Jason. So I appreciate you guys. Alex, uh, our producer over my shoulder here, handed in his resignation within 30 seconds of me walking in. I think that was uh, – that's the end for him. 20 seconds. I don't know what he had going on before. He saw me coming in, and he was done. He God, came up to gone. He said, this is my last show. But, Alex, congratulations to you on your new opportunity. I'm going to let you, you know, talk about that on your own time. I don't, I don't know how many people know, but I know you got something in the works. So, uh, hopefully, you weren't too offended by my presence here, Alex. And, uh, uh, honestly, people should check out your stuff as well. This is Inside the Locker Room. Your host for one night, Justin Spiro, Brian Masalam, Jason Strayhorn, remotely. Thank you guys for checking us out. Have a good night. Good night, go green. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.